Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. Guide on the side. You know what? I've got to call you out. That's cool. You know, it's a sign of real talent when the talent can come in (laughs) 10 minutes before the show. 10? Or five minutes before the show. Or 20 seconds before the top of our tees. Yeah. It was a really rough day. I had my people at my office just had a major implosion with all my, all my clients were just breaking down. What do you do? You can't leave them. I'm like, I got to go. I got a radio show. And then they start crying. Just hand them a box of Kleenex. Be like, oh, your time's up. I got to go. Your time. Yep. <laughs> Next. Uh, so I made it. I barely made it. And then, oh, it was so scary. I'm driving somewhat the speed limit. I mean, I'm in the range. So, somewhere yeah, in the realm of plus or minus You were 10 still miles in an hour. double digits. I was <laughs> in a, in a one-digit area, zone. And um, then I heard a cop with its lights and siren on. And like, oh, I was talking to Rob at the time on my headset, of course, hands-free. And um, boom, I thought the cop was going to get me, and then it went by me. <laughs> didn't even get in trouble. <laughs> Sucker. Didn't even get in trouble. It's like the first time a cop has had its lights on behind me, and it didn't get me. So life's good. Uh, today we've got a fun topic, by the way. Oh, well, and I'm back because I missed you guys. That was really – how was it without me yesterday? Did everyone survive? We were afraid. Did our host, did our guest host bring treats? Yes. She did. She did. Jeez, she did. <laughs> she she fueled us before the show. Yeah, were they good treats? Oh, they uh, were. Uh huh. She brought like organic, super duper fancy. It was nuts and dried cherries that they attached together with honey, and then they dipped it in chocolate. Dark chocolate, all organic. Oh my <clears throat> word. Well, I've got, I've got a uh, a nut bar. Half eaten in my car if someone wants to go out and get it. Can we split it six ways? <laughs> I don't think there's six ways left in it. That totally reminds me of like the Tap old Disney like Jack and the Beanstalk where in the very beginning they get a bean. They start like shaving off yeah. transparent yeah. shavings of these beans <laughs> to eat. Bean slices. But see, I mean, if, you, if anyone wants to go get it, you can. It's just half eaten. But we could probably take the peanuts off the outside of it and just... Have a peanut. <laughs> wow. She brought you treats. Weird. <laughs> Why would anyone do that? Uh, no, I love you too much to feed you junk. Even no, if it's but it was like, it that was really junk. <laughs> it was like health food. I felt good after eating it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, th- you, didn't feel, you didn't have the shakes. No, no guilt. No, no sugar rush. Yeah. You didn't need a nap. No. <laughs> was Skyboy awake during the show? He had two. <laughs> he did? And you were awake? I was energized and so awake. I think that's, that's the key, man. If you bring me food, I'll stay awake during your show and I won't yawn. Wow. You need to bring food. Yeah, I kind of like you sleepy. <laughs> Just because then I, I can't afford to feed you every day. What do you think this is? A buffet? No. It was just a little snack. It's not that much. Okay. You can, you can save that much up for us. I really can't. I mean, you're lucky. I'm lucky I even had a little nut bar, whatever they call those. What do they call those? Payday? No, kind of like that. Less pay. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, a nut roll. A nut roll. Yeah. Well, anyway, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rob, for pointing that out. 
that I just barely got here. Just saying that your true talent. My true talent. I was totally winded, sprinting through the parking lot. Mercy. Hey, today we've got a great show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my heavens. You know what? I feel like a parent who's had babysitters. And you come home and the house is a mess and the kids are all hyper because they've been sugared up, eating organic food. And now now I'm the one that's got to deal with you and put you to bed. Man. And you got all mouthy now, Skyboy. <laughs> Why are you all mouthy? I wasn't being mouthy. Yeah, you, I heard, no, I just, you, you said it. I heard what you said. That was really... I bet you're really fast. Oh, man. And, and I'd, lo- I'd love to see you sprint through the parking lot just to see how incredibly fast you are. Did I say I sprinted? You did say I sprint. I skipped. I meant to say I skipped. <laughs> skipped, tripped, and rolled. I, I did sprint. Um, man, you're getting mouthy. But I like it. We'll fix that later. Hey, uh, today on the show, I guess we're talking about technology and relationships. Yes, we are. Skyboy, all of Sky's last 12 dates have been online. <laughs> so is that what we're talking about today? Sky's dating life? Or that would be fun. We could change directions. I'd be willing to do that. Because, you know, it's a weird deal. I was just talking to a guy about how he, when he built houses, built houses 20 years ago, they didn't have, they didn't have email. They weren't doing email. They would do everything by phone. Isn't that weird? That's can you imagine that? Awful. By phone, and that's just barely. That's right when they had the the big brick cell phone. You know, the cancer causer. They used to call it. The big, huge brick Motorola phone. And he would sit in his truck and he would call the people and do everything with phone. And now we're doing it. He does it all via text and email. And it's all documented. So everything's proven. Like, hey, boom. I told you I'd be there at noon. Look, it's right there. Noon. So you'd think technology would be helping our relationships. But apparently it might be taking a bite out of relationships. Is that what you're finding, Merritt? Yeah. Well, kind of to draw it back a little bit, just the way our brain functions. It changes that. So, for example, there was a study done at the University of California in 2005 that showed that the average information worker switched tasks every three minutes. Hold it. What? What's an information worker? I'm guessing like data entry using computers. Okay. Yeah. And then they said anybody working on computers jumps between screens to browse the web or to check their email around 37 times an hour. Holy cow. Yeah. That's just ripe with ADD potentiality. Yes. And That's going to get you jumping other around. Stu- other studies show that multitasking increases stress. So that's not good because uh, we're obviously totally. multitasking right. too much. Like driving and eating yeah. in that bar. So it's kind of like, why do we do this? This isn't good. But um, some studies are showing, they're beginning to realize that the chemical in our brain, dopamine, yes, will... Um, it loves new things. It loves novelty. And that used to be kind of the survival instinct. Yes. Like it would kind of warn you about a new thing. But now with novelty, is, novelty is constantly available. We are – so we're, we're novelty addicts. Yes, exactly. And so everything that happens, we get the surge of dopamine and we're like – Oh, how interesting. Because yeah. that would really hurt relationships because then exactly. once it's boring – Exactly. So with – then we got smaller get rid attention of it. spans. Yeah. Yes. How do you have a long-term relationship? But at the same time, there are lots of good things that are happening too. Brains are generally bigger. Technology improves your memory. Our brains are getting bigger. 
Yeah, brains get like brain scans. Your brain will not decrease as much in your old age if you're using technology and you're staying wow. up to what if, on things. What if? What if? Answer me this. What if um, you watched a lot of TV? Because my mom used to say yeah. it would shrink my brain, and <laughs> okay, I well, did watch. This is watch the TV. thing: were you turning your brain off while you watched TV, or did you keep your brain on? That's my question. I don't remember. Because TV could be really. Yeah, probably off then. Well, hold on, hold on. Because we talk about what shows we watch. and Gilligan's if, if it's any indication, it doesn't seem like any of us watch brainless TV shows. No, I, I would say no. everybody, we talk pretty no. deeply. But if you're watching it and just kind of well, using it as a hold way on, to be though. background. Colonel Sanders watches The Simpsons. Yeah, well, the important thing is that you need to be able to argue back with the show you're watching. So if you're like, nah, it's not that. Whatever. And the best is if you argue with the commercials out loud. Oh, that's... My that family show, hates me for that. Actually. That shows your brain is on. But if you just sit there and just the smile and wide eyes, what and if go, you're drooling? Uh, your brain's off. Okay. Yeah. So I think that one's a toss-up because okay. you could be involved in what you're watching, and you could be actively viewing it and thinking Engaged. about why they make. Yeah. Or you could yeah. just be using it as I a way don't to know. stop thinking. Have you seen some of these shows? I don't care <laughs> if you're arguing or not. They're pretty stupid. I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> If I, I'm not even going to name. I no, I can't even go there. But my son, I'm sure, is in love with a Disney character. I've had someone once <laughs> tell me how pretty they think Jasmine is. She's a cartoon. <laughs> well, please, that's you're not using your brain. <laughs> cartoon characters aren't real. Skyboy. So I don't care if you think Jasmine's hot. I don't. <laughs> you're not marrying her. To be fair, most actresses aren't real either. So it's okay. Whoa. That hurts. Ooh. <laughs> You're an actress. So what? Uh, so keep going. What are you teaching us? Okay. So also some more pluses of technology. Yes. People who use the internet regularly are just better at finding data, and oh, it yeah. doesn't have to be on the internet. That can be just yeah. anywhere in the world. They're I better hate at that. receiving data. Because you used to be able to exaggerate, <laughs> and now you can't. Because like all throughout, I don't know. I think it's half a million. And my son's like, it's two million, Dad. Yeah. That was under. Guessing. Look at that. Mm-hmm. So he corrects me now. And and someone once pointed out, because of the internet, there is no longer speculation. Actually, actually, smartphones. Yeah, we no longer yeah. speculate because yeah. we can figure it out. Well, and there's always Wikipedia, which we know is totally factual. I don't know. Boom. Help me graduate <laughs> high school. <laughs> if it can get you that <laughs> far, <laughs> that's pretty far. Did it really? That's great. No, it really did. Oh. Yeah, Absolutely. I had World Book. Encyclopedia Britannica? Encyclopedia Britannica, basically. Pitiful. Yeah. Which was like 30 years old. I was archiving. I was accessing data 30 years old and feeling like I was on the verge of just incredible. The bleeding edge of knowledge. Yeah, and you just do a little Google search. Boom. You think you're all smart. It's just an extension of your brain. Yeah. And kids kids ask. So they just ask. Like, we know stuff. You just ask. I would never ask because it was hard to find in those encyclopedias. You would never ask. <laughs> You'd have to, like, carry it around. You'd have to be home. Yeah. You'd have to then remember <laughs> it. You'd then have to look it up, and it would take an hour. And then you, you realize this information is 30 years old. <laughs> Who knows if it's still true? Now my son's like, yeah, 1963, Dad. Great. <sighs> this is good. Yeah. So – so we can't just like blame technology for all no. our problems. Obviously, Let's blame our parents all the time. That's much easier <laughs> because, to do. I think <laughs> you can always blame your parents. 
Of course you can. Because it's not about fixing the problem. It's <laughs> figuring out what to blame. It's about getting away from the problem. Technology? No. Technology. No. <laughs> Technology is not the problem. No. That's what you're saying. It's yeah, good. I Technology think in a lot good. of ways, it's good. It's how we use the technology that's off. Totally agree. So I have like these huge lists of okay. apps that can help your brain and your relationships. An app, Ready? an application that is on your phone or your, on your iPad. On your phone, iPad, you can get lots of these on your okay. computers I like too. apps. Yeah, I, so my there kids are lots get hundreds a day. Yeah, some so to one article I read suggested that instead of checking Facebook or Twitter or anything while you're waiting in line, uh-huh. which is of course always the thing that you do when yeah, you're waiting in the line. Of course. Human interaction is not an option in that situation. <laughs> but that you use um, some of the brain teasing games. Like okay, I've seen those. Yeah. yeah. So there's um, luminosity brain training, um, memory games yeah. that you can download, and if you use those, then you're doing something to help your brain out while you're waiting in line instead of just flipping through Ugh. somebody else's Facebook messages, which who knows what they do to your brain. So. <laughs> Why not just talk to other people standing in line? Like, hey, how's it going? To you're buying beans. No, then you're the I'm creepy some, guy. Uh, next week, then you're the creepy guy that always talks to people in lines. <laughs> Skyboy shakes his head. That he that would Rob. That would require that the other person isn't using their phone. I hate when people talk to me in line. Hey, but I don't know. <laughs> I hate making yeah. small. I'm just like, what do we talk about? You're eating a lot of celery. Talk about no. Oh, you're buying beans. And then where do you go? And then you know, what, you know what I would do? I would drop my groceries on the floor and leave the store and just be like, go. nope, not worth it. Come back an hour later. <laughs> Are you going to be here very long? I'm going to go to the produce section. So I guess one thing you could do is talk to the other people, which is what we used to do. Or you could get on Luminosity. What's yeah. another What's another app? Well, some other apps, there are apps that you can use for self-improvement. So one is like Habit List mm. or Evernote. You use Evernote. I love Evernote. You do use Evernote. It's my best friend. Yeah. And there are fitness ones. You can get My Fitness Pal or Ugh, have that one. Map My Ride, which tracks blah, your blah, blah. bicycle ride, yep. like how long you've gone. And they, every went. time you look at it, you're like, haven't done anything there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm There's, a loser. There are mind mapping tools to map ideas. Done that. I love That's mind cool. mapping. Yeah. But there are also some apps that help you with your relationships. What? Yeah. There's one called From Breakup to Makeup. Whoa. Yeah. Doesn't that sound Sky, fun? write these down, bud. <laughs> you need that one. Here, here, another one's called Fix a Fight. I've actually heard a lot about this Fix one. Fix a Fight. Fix a Fight, which is, it was created by a professional marriage counselor, and it guides people through step-by-step processes really? to fix whatever they're arguing about. That's cool. Yeah. I like so that's that. That's interesting. You could just do the eight ball one and just push <laughs> the eight ball and should I should I leave? Maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's my favorite. I hate the vague answers from the eight ball. I know, but it's Especially try again. I don't know. What does it's, that even mean? It's kinda real. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't happen if it wasn't supposed to happen. There is also one called My Relationship Coach, which it says this article says it's like a portable couples repair kit that's supposed to be like having your own therapist in your back pocket. Holy cow. We have apps for portable therapy. <laughs> we, have, we have maps for your job, Matt. How do you feel about that? <laughs> My job's been apt. Okay. But then here's the thing. Also, in this article, it says these aren't – obviously, they cannot replace no. human interaction and or – therapy or professional help when you need it. They're more like self-help books. Yeah. So it's like you just have a self-help book that's interactive and colorful and makes little noises. So you're safe, Matt. Gosh. You still close. you still have a job. Yeah, the whole time I'm thinking, I need an app. <laughs> the Matt Townsend app. I'm going to call it uh, Dealing with Skyboy. <laughs> the top 1,000 tricks to keep a superhero happy. That's a good book.
very interested to know what the tips are. What's the I top tip? Feed uh, him. Feed him. Feed. Yeah. <laughs> feed Keeps him. me happy. Number two, don't feed him too much. <laughs> keep him keep always wanting more. You want him always wanting more. Well, Merritt, good research. Thank you, Matt. Technology good and technology bad. Relationship help potential on those, except you still got to learn how to do it. Relationships, you know, they're one-on-one. We're going to take a bake. A bake. We're going to take a break. When we get back, our own Colonel Rob Sanders is going to be doing a little ranting. Maybe he's going to replace Bryce Tobin on the rant. I doubt it. Uh, But Rob's going to talk about technology because Rob just loves texting. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about technology and relationships, the wonderful combination that can take place there. Now, our very own Rob Sanders, uh, you know, he loves to text fight. And uh, not really, but he basically says, through evolution and millennia of design, human beings were wired to communicate verbally especially in their dating lives. That's why, you know, we have mouths and ears. So why do so many couples risk their relationship by using text messages to share their deepest and most intimate thoughts? Rob Sanders has a rant he kind of wants to share with you. All right, I'm not Bryce, but I'm about to rant anyway. This is Rob is right. I'm under 30, I'm single, women are on my mind, so I spend a lot of time in the dating scene. And by that, I mean I have a couple of online dating profiles. But I use them. The problem with those things, though, is they're all text-based. A daily match pops up. I look at the photo. I look at the text that accompanies the photo on the profile. It's a little paragraph with eerily repeating phrases. I love to laugh. But who doesn't? I mean, you can sit down at a comedy movie and just sit there stony-faced. I live life to the fullest. Nope, 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 nope. Listen, sweetheart, I also took a photo of me hiking. And you know what I'm going to do this weekend? I'm going to buy some cheap tacos, drive back to my house, sit on the recliner, and watch TV shows on the Internet. No, I'm not living life to the fullest, and neither are you. But anyway, the cliches are another rant for another time. No, I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about that little square of text, because that's the gateway that determines if I hit reply and send a little square of text of my own, something witty, articulate, some kind of opening statement like, Sup, I'm Rob. How's it going? You know, amazingly, one in ten girls actually respond to that. Emails are sent, and with a few back and forths, once in a while, an opportunity for a real conversation opens up. And here's my complaint. All the girls want to do is text. You know how hard text messaging makes everything? The technology gets in the way. How am I supposed to tell my clever ice-breaking story in 100 characters or less? It can't be done! So I end up with a conversation that's like, How's it going? Good. You? Cloudy. Frowny face. That's too bad. Sunny here. Cool. I also like the sun. Yeah, me too. Smiley face. And texting isn't instant messaging, so this useless conversation about the weather takes all afternoon! 
And while you're waiting for replies, is the stress of wondering if she's going to reply. And once she does, what's she going to say? Did I say the wrong thing? And so I'm having to think and rethink of what she's going to say and how I'm going to reply to it. And then re-rethinking what my reply is before I hit send. Because, hey, if it took me 15 minutes to get her reply, mine better be darn good. It's got to be perfect. Now, the worst part of texting is the loss of emotion. So let's say a girl texts me, what's up? So I hit reply and I say, good to hear from you again. What are you up to? Now, the moment I hit send, all my emotion is electronically stripped, which means my message now sounds like, good to hear from you. What are you up to? Now, that's very inhuman. So naturally, we want to superimpose emotion back in. And so I leave it to the girl's imagination to try to figure out what it was I was intending to say. Which means my innocent, friendly hello could turn into... Good to hear from you. Again. What are you up to? Or worse yet... Oh, yeah. Good to hear from you again. What are you up to? Texting just makes a mess! I am a huge advocate of using this cool app on your phone. You might not have used it. It's cool. It's a little green icon. And when you click on it, you punch in a 10-digit username, and that username connects you to her, and you can speak to each other. I think the app is called Phone. And it's great. Emotion is present. You can get a general vibe if there's chemistry together. It's better in every way. Seconded only to maybe meeting in person. Big fan of that, too. All right, I'm out. And remember, Bryce normally does these. Wow. You know, Bryce has never done that sultry kind of voice. But he has more class. Can you yeah. do that again? I want to hear that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> That's the trick, um, trick of the microphone because normally you're way back here and you sound like you're in a big room. But if you get up close to the mic and talk really softly, it's still kind of creepy. It's the fun of radio. You can't do that in television because you have the little microphone clipped to your... You don't like texting. It's, it's, oh, it's ruining awful. your love life. Uh, it's, I just, and that's part of the problem is you'll call a girl and she, you'll go to voicemail and then she'll text back. What do you want? If she was available to text, why didn't she just answer the phone? You know, it's, it's almost kind of cowardly. Well, she was making but, meatloaf. Her hands were messy. I hate when Wouldn't I call Wouldn't it be easier some... to be on speakerphone with yeah, meatloaf hands? It's hard to get that speaker on. I hate when I call someone, they don't pick up, and I get a text immediately after, yeah. in class, what's up? If I could have said what I wanted to say in a text message, I would have done that. But usually I call someone, it's something long. I don't, I don't want to text them. See, it's, this is where we're having trouble. This, we don't know when to use text and when to use a, a call. And when do we send a letter? What's going to happen to the Postal Service if we well, don't figure but, this but, out? But a letter and an email are, are somewhat similar. But a text and a phone call are not. They're apples and oranges in every sense of the... Yeah. I'm sorry it's is. impacting your life like that. Just need a phone call. I think you it. just need a little Barry White music in that deep voice. And if I were you, if you have that going for you, I'd always call. Hey, baby. Yeah, that, gonna that, that gets you put on lists. Oh, sure. That, uh, Do not call. The police can, are on the Cannot way. be within 500 feet. This is why we need help, okay? It's all this technology. What are we supposed to do with it? We're going to bring on Dr. Susan Heitler, 
who's been studying this and helping couples and people nationwide on how to how to figure this out. She wrote a book from conflict to resolution, the power of two. And she's also the founder of PowerOfTwoMarriage.com. We'll be back with Susan giving us insight into technology and our relationships. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we are talking about technology and relationships. It should be your friend, right? They should go well together. They should be. You should be able to use your technology to enhance your ability to communicate and flirt and keep the love alive. The interesting thing is it may actually be costing us as well. So we wanted to bring on an expert who can help us with the relationship side and also understands the technology side. Who better to do that than Susan Heitler, Ph.D.? Susan has been saving marriages as a clinical psychologist for over 30 years. She's a graduate from Harvard, and uh, Dr. Heitler is also received a doctorate of clinical psychology from NYU, frequently quotes in the national media as an expert on relationship skills. She's had some of her uh, articles appear in magazines regularly, like Ladies Home Journal, Men's Health Magazine, also has a blog on psychology today. She's also the author of the book From Conflict to Resolution, The Power of Two, um, as well as other books. Uh, Dr. Susan Heitler, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you so much. So good to have you on the program. Now, Dr. Heitler, fill us in. I mean, technology, I guess, you know, forever, I guess technology used to be the wheel, right? And so forever we've been able to use technology to improve our lives, our relationships. But do you get a sense that it's catching up with this? Is our technology now starting to really hinder our ability to relate? That's a classic uh, question where the answer is both. Okay, fill us in it on helps. that. It it can help. It it can hinder. Okay, I guess it just depends, like anything, how you use your technology. Exactly. It, it, I mean, it's. Uh, I know it's distracting. I mean, I know I, I see all of these couples out on dates, and I'll watch them, and all of a sudden, as they're sitting there, both of them into their cell phones, I'm thinking, I hope they're texting each other. Because they're on a date, but they don't seem to be communicating. Right. One sure way to delete the building of a bond is to have interruptions. Yeah. I was involved with an interesting study once where a group of people went to a presentation, and then they were evaluated afterwards by asking, how much did you enjoy it? Half the people were... Um, invited to come out to talk about something else midway several times uh-huh. through the interaction. And the other half just were there 100% of the time. The half that had the frequent interruptions, they thought the presentation was so-so. The ones that were there the whole time loved it. Interesting. In words, just don't get into and enjoy uh, an interaction if you're in it but then out. In yeah, and then out. So the constant interruption, which is is pretty much uh, our technology, our cell phones, it's notorious for just you know this causing this reactivity where we're always looking at it, we're always needing it, which I guess yeah. well, has potential a, to hurt. There's an interesting generational difference, I think, in how older people use 
cell phones, for instance, and younger people. Yeah. And I will say it's not 100% older and younger. There are right. some of each who do both. But in general, older people use cell phones like a traditional phone. They turn it off as they're going to be talking with other people. So it, it wouldn't occur to them to allow it to interrupt the conversation. It's just a younger tool. Younger people are available all the time. Yeah. Now, it's not, again, as I said earlier, it's not just younger, older. I think people who are savvy about the impact of interruptions will be more careful about letting themselves get interrupted. And and you probably see that with your clients historically. I mean, you you can control your technology. We we can start making right. time when we just flat out turn it off, like during a meal, for example. Right. Now, some people feel that others expect them to be constantly available. Hmm. That's usually a misunderstanding. It could be a projection of they expect others to be constantly available. That's a big mistake. And so it ends up being more really about our projection of what we want to use. And and maybe it's just flat out, I want to be on my phone, so I need a really good story. Uh, Yes, there's something kind of narcissistic about expecting everyone to be there for me all the time. Yeah. And well, they're yeah. thinking, oh, of course, everyone wants that from me. There's also something narcissistic about thinking, I'm so important oh, yeah. that people have to be able to reach me right away. Well, in, I mean, in the older older meaning, my I'm 44, and yet I don't feel that old, except you had to be really important to have a phone when I was growing up. Yeah. You know what I mean? You Not, not very, very few people had them. I had a friend that was a lawyer. And just a father of one of my friends, and he had one. And you know, lawyers cell need to be phone reached. You're referring to? Yeah, and so it was a cell phone in a briefcase. That remember, right. remember so the old do school. Do you even remember the days before cell phones? Oh yeah, totally. Yep. Right. We used to have to Where talk. Pe- pe- right. People talked face to face. Yep. They used the telephone to make arrangements to see people face to face, unless people were out of town. Yeah. Uh, now that's not a hundred percent. Uh, teenagers sat and gabbed or people would talk with a family member and gab on the phone for a while. The notion of uh, perpetual availability, though, is really a new idea that came just with cell phones. Well, and it actually... Because if you weren't home, you didn't get right. your calls. Well, and, and even remember uh, pre-voicemail and pre-caller right. ID. I mean, you, you used to actually be able to hide... A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? Now right. it's now if you don't answer, it, it creates a lot of tension. It creates a lot of, I mean, I guess unless you manage the expectation. So going back to that notion of that we were talking about earlier about interruptions and the impact they had, I'm uh, co- going to contradict myself here and say that I knew of a situation where a dean, who I'm presuming was somewhat older, in the, the dean of students in the university, um, you would think that there's someone who's going to manage his cell phone well. Right. Well, uh, one of my clients, who was a college student at the time, was very upset about something in his life and went in to talk with the dean of students. Multiple times during that session, the dean of students took calls and would text back or answer back. So whatever the problem was that my student client went in with almost became secondary to the fury he felt 
that this person who was ostensibly being paid to be there to help him solve his problem was only there in short, brief Sesame Street size intervals and then interruption, interruption. Isn't that interesting? And it's just this subtle thing. And I bet you that Dean just, hey, I'm trying to help all the people. So he's got a great story. And the message is to the person sitting in front of you, oh, you're not that important. Mm -hmm. Whoever else calls me is more important. We do that all the time, don't we? Uh, Depends which we you're talking about. Yeah, I guess the greater human we. Uh, yes, although um, I I must say that I it would be very rare for me or for people who've really thought about this to take a call in the middle of a conversation. If they did, they would explain, I'm so sorry, this is an emergency situation. Yeah. And I do see that in my clinical practice also. People, a first call will come in during their session, they'll notice it, and they'll turn off their phone. Or they'll say to me, I'm so sorry, my child is in preschool with the school's calling. I really need to make sure it's not an emergency. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the call is, an, I mean, that that's one thing, the interruption. But then you can also get a text, and this is just as subtle, and the person looks at their text. Right. And, and so they're constantly prioritizing you, aren't we, with our, with our equipment, exactly. our devices. It's a prioritization. Looking, and looking at a test, text... I'm glad you raised that because even though it's just a brief interruption, mm-hmm. brief interruptions have the same impact. Do they? they as, as a big, yeah. Whatever intimacy was there gets sliced off and ended. Well, they uh, have to start again when they come back. Yeah, and you're always you're always kind of wondering, oh, am, am I going to make this cut? Oh, oh, okay, I did. And then they get another interruption. Oh, how about? Oh, I made it. Okay, he still right. likes me. It's it's and actually if the phone is on. Yeah. Even if a person decides not to look at it, their thinking has been interrupted and jarred by having to turn aside and make a decision. Shall I look at my text or not? So unless they turn off their phone in conversation, once they're connecting with somebody, the the interruptions are going to have a counterproductive impact on them. Yeah. On them in terms of their ability to connect with whoever's in front of them. So one, I guess your recommendation is, if you're in a moment, a space where you're really talking and connecting, if you if you want to keep it healthy and connecting, you need to right. turn off your equipment. Uh, that's essentially the message. I mean, that's right. huge. I mean, now, that's almost blasphemous. Well, then people uh, in this current time, it's blasphemous. What if someone well, dies during all of this? Right. Boy, you know, people used to die for many years, and, isn't that, and then they, no one knew for months, right? I mean, it took a while for the letter to get to them. Exactly. And they all lived. I mean, they all survived the loss, and well, they became invested in wherever it was that they were living and whoever else they were talking with. Mm. So that brings us to the upsides of technology. The reality is that most families scatter. Most friends, for instance, after college friends scatter all over the country. It's a wonderful thing to be able to keep in touch with those people at one level. Right. On the other hand, it's not the same kind of friendship when it's just by narrow bandwidth technology as it is when you're face-to-face. So if keeping up with friends, say, from college or family members 
who live on the other side of the country. If you're doing that and it's taking time away from being where you are with people in your face-to-face world, mm, it's complicated. Yeah, it is. I'm not saying it's bad. It's, it would only become problematic if that becomes a substitute for being able to have face-to-face real connections, real community where you live. It's almost like we've kind of changed quantity of friends with quality. And Facebook is a great example. Yeah, I mean, we have all these big numbers, don't we? And yet our touches are so much more shallow. Exactly. So we're not getting depth, we're getting width, but there's not right. enough depth. And Quantity, not quality, you're right. Interestingly, there is some data that people who are the least comfortable with deeper connections love Facebook. That a disproportionate of people who are on the mm, more isolated end of the social spectrum. Uh-huh. Like uh, clinicians use the term autistic spectrum people or Asperger's. Yeah. I don't know if they're familiar Maybe with Maybe the, the, the less socially adept. Exactly. In, yeah, the less socially exactly. intelligent. More in their heads, less connecting with mm-hmm. other people. They love that. They, they love being able to collect, connect technologically because it works just at the level where they're working. They can tolerate a brief Twitter-sized message, Mm -hmm. and they're uncomfortable in an extended conversation. Wow. That's actually pretty, that's pretty ominous. (laughs) I mean, because it's... Ominous in that if we're training the next generation to operate at an Asperger's level rather than at a deep connection level, yes. Yeah, we might be creating, you know, more of a machine than a human. Yes. I see this clinically in my practice with how many people graduate college having never had a really close, intense boy-girl relationship, huh. for instance. Yeah. And then they're and left. How, that, that's where ahead. you figure it out, isn't it? It's, it's, it's kind of these little boy crushes, these girl crushes you have when you're a young kid, and you, you, you kind of learn socially how to have a relationship, and maybe we're, maybe our kids as they get older they're not learning this right because to go from the crush stage that's just based on having looked at someone or having had a brief interaction a twitter level interaction yeah um as we get older we learn to sit down and really talk i remember for instance when one of my children was about 10 or 11 and she went on her first quote date First of all, I drove her to the movie theater, yeah. and when we got there, she said, Mom, Mom, don't leave. <laughs> yeah. Mom, I need you around. We're talking with Dr. Heitler, Ph.D. Dr. Heitler is uh, is an expert in marriage and clinical psychology. She's been doing this for 30 years. She's educating us on the importance of relationships. When we come back, Dr. Heitler, I want to hear more about that date and how you saved your daughter. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. This is BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about technology and relationships, the impact that technology can have on our relationships. 
We've been talking with Dr. Susan Heitler. She's a, a psychologist and been working with marriages for 30 years. She's got a doctorate of clinical psychology from NYU. She's very frequently seen on national media as an expert on relationship skills. She's written in tons of magazines, Men's Health, Lady Home Journal, uh, on Psychology Today. She has a blog as well, and she's the author of the book From Conflict to Resolution, The Power of Two. And also she has a wonderful website called thepowerof2marriage.com, which is just a wonderful place to get a bunch of insight and tools. You can also get some coaching and help there as well and see videos. She's got a bunch of resources there. So Dr. Heitler, again, welcome back to The Matt Townsend Show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Uh, it's, it's really a pleasure to talk to you. And we've been talking about kind of the impact of, you know, technology has on interrupting us. And I love the phrase you use, perpetual availability. It, it, because we now have technology, we almost have this permanent – it almost feels like a social obligation to now be part of the network of the world that can interrupt your life. Interesting. Perpetual availability seems to go with perpetual superficiality. Oh, huge. Totally. I mean, really, we know a lot of stuff that is mostly irrelevant. Like, uh, and my friend's uh, got new shoes. Exactly. So we can, in a brief Twitter-sized connection, give a few facts. It, it We can't go in depth. Right. We can't do the back and forth of dialogue, and that's what really scares me. Yeah, so we may be because training a whole, a whole generation or multiple generations exactly. to not dialogue. Right. Dialogue is actually a quite complex uh, activity. Excuse me, it means... When you say something to me, I need to think about it and give you some of the evidence of what I've heard Uh so you know what I'm doing with what you told me. Then I need to add. So it's dialogues a little like you put your left foot forward and then I put the right foot forward, only it has to be coordinated so it feels like just the the two of us, both our voices are blended into one Mm -hmm. conversation. So... If young people haven't had practice at doing that kind of conversation, then when it comes to, for instance, going back to my 10-year-old daughter going on her first date, she didn't feel a comfort level with doing that, especially with a boy, with her girlfriends. She She does it it all the time. Um, In any case, uh, practice makes something that initially seemed a little scary easy. Right. Well, and, and it's, it's, it's easier to do with your friends and even with guy friends that you're hanging out with. If you were if we were less on technology and talking and dialoguing and kind of bantering, it, it gives you some experience before you need to go have more serious exactly. discussions. And it may be that this is an even more serious issue for men than for women. Women tend to talk with other women about things in Mm -hmm. a more deep way, really discuss, explore. Men tend to be more banter. What's banter? Right. Quick little segments back and forth. Yeah, not as as much depth, kind of more intentionally avoiding depth. Right. Uh, There was a wonderful study of a follow-up on four fellows who'd been roommates in college. When they followed up on them 10 years later, they found out that none of the other three knew that number four was an alcoholic. Oh, wow. It got worse and worse over time. 
none of the other three knew that one of the four actually had a daughter and a wife back home. Oh, man. So he would go every other weekend to visit. They just thought he was driving home to see Mom. So hmm. what that says is that men have somewhat more of a tendency to be sociable on this repartee back and forth without actually talking about what's going on in the more personal aspects of their lives. That's interesting. So that's perfectly suited to Twitter-level interactions, little text messages. Wow. They can be very comfortable interacting that way. That's not what you need to be able to do in order to build a close love relationship. And in fact, let's get into that. So what are some other things that that uh, maybe the overuse of technology might be hindering? What growth, our ability mm-hmm. to dialogue, I mean, I, and I know a huge part of dialogue, the theories of dialogue, would also be conflict resolution. Absolutely. So in order to do conflict resolution, when something goes wrong, people need to calm down and talk about what happened. Right. Or if the conflict is about something they're going to do in the future, a plan, they need to, in a calm way, pool what each of their concerns are. One thing that happens when they are communicating by text is instead of having that calm, extended conversation where they seek to understand either what happened or each other's concerned about a future decision. Right. Instead, they get just one piece at a time. Yeah. If it's by text. And then, unfortunately, if I send you one piece and it hits you wrong, either because you misinterpreted the tone of what I said right. or for whatever reason, you may get hot and bothered. Well, one click. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then I send back an ugly message, and then it escalates. Right, and the message you send back it can be done so quickly that you may press send before you've had a chance to think a second yeah. time about what you're saying. Now you're now you're just hurting someone. So there's a tendency for fighting to replace communicating more quickly when the commu- communications are happening online. Does it so I guess or not online but yeah, uh, on text on text. Does it, and and I you kind of even believe that's that'll lead to the dirty fight. That'll lead to you know less information, more backstabbing. I mean more just stabbing content or communications, more misinformation. What's your feeling about whether people are more likely to say mean things? Oh, yeah. By text versus in person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or just the phrase that's so dismissive, like, whatever. Or some just phrase. I mean, I, I have people, we were just talking about it earlier today, that they don't even want, if I, if I wanted to text you, I would have texted you. I tried to call you. You didn't answer. And now you're texting me back. I have something to tell you. I want to communicate and talk to you about it. And so instead, there's some people that just don't even want to have the text conversation. And then there's others, it seems like, that might be using it to hide. Right. So this adds another dimension that gets complicated of which mode to use yeah. when 
And what if two people prefer different modes? Boy. It gets complex. I do think that the question of which mode to use when is worth looking at in different relationships because there are some advantages to text. Oh, yeah. No, very nice, for instance, to be able to text to someone that you had planned to meet at 6 o'clock, going to be 10 minutes late. Yep. Or even flirting. Uh, you can flirt, too. I mean, by text? Well, you, you, can send a, you can send a message, call, touch, talk, send another message. I mean, you can keep up. It kind of keeps an easier touch. You know what I mean? Right. So I mean, it's like I it's additive. Have... It's not – if all you're doing in your life in anything is texting, you're missing a Big lot of trouble. communication. Big trouble. But you can right. use it as an additive source. Right. So I um, have heard even of young couples who flirt during the day with a little message yeah. here, a little message there. Yeah. I think the test is whether both of them are experiencing this as a positive addition. As a flirt, right. If it's augmenting their connecting, great. Yeah. If it's depleting the relationship, if it's instead of... Yeah, replacing it. For instance, it. well, I can stay later at the office because we're flirting back and forth. Yeah, so sorry. I need, yeah. yeah. I think then, you're right. That there's a, then there's a problem, Bruce. No, right on. We're talking with Dr. Susan Heitler. She's instructing us on the power of technology to influence our relationships, the, watch, the things to watch out for. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. This is BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend here, your relationship coach, your guide on the side, doing what we can to give you some tools. Today, we are teaching you the importance of technology and relationships. Joining us today is Dr. Susan Heitler, who has been working with marriages as a clinical psychologist for over 30 years. She's a graduate of Harvard and also has a doctorate from uh, NYU. Uh, she's in the media constantly discussing uh, issues about relationships, and uh, today we've asked her to come on the show to give us a, kind of a, a little bit of a heads up on the benefits, and there are some great benefits to technology. There's also a heavy price we might be paying if we're not careful. One thing that might be happening with technology is we're being interrupted a lot more. Uh, she's been talking, Dr. Heitler has been talking to us a little bit about the perpetual availability of technology, how it makes us always available, and also kind of perpetual superficiality. We, we tend to be a little more maybe shallow with our technology and our conversations than we used to be. And then recently, uh, right before our last break, we were talking about the importance of um, dialogue and how if we're not careful, our technology might be you know, turning everything into about a hundred-digit phrase. <laughs> Right, Dr. Heitler, instead uh, of a profound right. conversation. There's another aspect of dialogue that becomes very stark when people communicate either by text or email. That's uh, that normally in a face-to-face conversation, people are giving each other visual cues right. of whether their response is positive, negative. There's also the tonal 
cues. Yeah. Uh, uh, psychologists refer to the sound of the voice as prosody. Mm-hmm. That it, it's uh, like melody. It, there's a, a tone that sounds I'm in agreement or I disapprove of what you said. And the rhythm of it, huh? And the rate and the speed with which we're doing it. Exactly. All of those also convey the emotion that's accompanying the words. Hmm. So without those cues, how is someone to know what's going on? So sophisticated, uh, for instance, email writers... Um, will fill in with positivity, yeah. explicit verbal positivity, to make up for the lack of visual or or sound hearing positivity. So, for instance, if you say, meet me at 7, and I just write back, okay, yeah. that's neutral information exchange. Right. If you write, meet me at 7... And I write back, oh, I'm so glad that's going to work out for you. I look forward to seeing you. You could hear there were two pieces of positivity yeah, right. in there. So it, and it does, it does kind of, oh, okay, we're good with each other. Exactly. Yeah. So people tend to err on the side of thinking, well, I'll just give the facts. That's enough. Mm. Or now, they, now they uh, use those emoticons. Have you seen those? Just the little smiley faces or the, even that makes the wink. A big difference. I know it does. It does. I mean, it's 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 the weirdest thing that now we can just type in, you know, a colon and a, a parenthesis. What do you call that? A right. Whatever. That's right. But it's all yeah. of a sudden. It's oh, okay, okay. We're good. We're good. Exactly. I'm making a joke. It says. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's um. You really. You really stress, though, that we really, we can't replace physical connection with Oxyto- the virtual. Yes. Uh, oxytocin is a chemical that uh, spurts into your body when you experience skin-to-skin mm-hmm. or eye-to-eye connection. Oh, is it eye-to-eye? Okay, yeah. I, you know, meeting someone's eyes, if you want to meet someone, there's a... Uh, bar or even at a grocery store, try catching their eyes. Mm-hmm. Then add smile to smile. Yeah. Each of those are beginning to make connection. If it's with somebody you already know, eye to eye, smile to smile, uh, spurts the oxytocin that gives the two of you feelings of a bond, of connection. You, and that can't, you guess you can't get that over the Twitter sphere, huh? You got it. <laughs> what now, if it's what can, if it's cell phone to cell phone? Cell phone to cell phone, at least, or any phone to phone, yeah. has sound of voice that yep. makes more connection than email to email. Yeah, yeah. You really want the eyes to look at each other, not to look at the same writing. Right. So it's more than bandwidth. It's the actual connection, at least voice to ear, eye to eye, smile to smile. And skin to skin's a big one. That that's the bonding. That that's the actual chemical a bonding, bonding exactly. chemistry that we get when we're with someone. Right. So, for instance, if you haven't seen someone for a long time, and then you stumble inadvertently on them at the uh, at Target, because you've had five minutes of face to face chatting together, your feeling of connection with them zooms up. 
Right. They feel, again, like a closer friend than they did 15 minutes before that happened. And I guess that can be enhanced if, if in the meantime, we've also been texting, emailing on each other's Facebook page. It, it can enhance it. It's additive, but it's not going to cover, it's not going to do the same benefit of some time together. Exactly. And my own experience, I don't have uh, biological data on this. My own experience, though, is that it's an intellectual or cognitive connection when it's email to email. Yeah, that Someone seems that I way. haven't seen for a year or two just emailed to me before I spoke with you. Someone I like a lot. And it was nice to feel somewhat reconnected. Mm-hmm. It's, the connection felt, though, didn't feel. It was just an idea. Yeah, it's conceptual. And by contrast, if I saw her in the grocery store after not seeing her for a year, oh, hello, how are you? There'd be a hug, there'd be smiles, whole different. No, um, absolutely. And so there really is this gradation of kind of just just the, the letters, the words is one level of communicating, the verbal talking would be another, and then kind of putting it all together in touch and seeing each other and talking face-to-face. So I, we really need to choose the mode appropriately, right, based right. on what we're so trying they, to convey. If, if our goal is to enhance the bond, the connection, then the more intensive or broader bandwidth makes a big difference. If our goal is purely information exchange, then it's a different story. Yeah. If I want to know what time Target closes tonight, hey, email is fine. Yeah, but that's just, there's no feeling. What if you want to break up with somebody? I'm thinking you ought to be there. I'm thinking that's a good (laughs) idea. And that's an interesting phenomenon because it turns out that in order to come apart, you have to come together. Mm. That's interesting. To come apart healthy, right? I mean, to come apart clean. Exactly. Clean and with both people feeling okay about it. And that happens a lot where now some people are just finding out on Facebook, I guess we're done. Yeah, that uh, is sad. That's avoidant, isn't it? (laughs) Because ending a connection, a bond, is a very potent human experience. To leave it just to that thin bandwidth is remarkably inconsiderate or cowardly. Yeah. And I think that's it, is maybe sometimes we don't... We teach everybody the tools. They all know how to get their apps. They know how to charge it. They know how to do everything with their phone, but they don't kind of know the social rules that somebody you've dated for a while deserves some it, real space with you. Right. It it suggests that your relationship with that person, if you're cutting it off by Facebook, yeah. that your relationship was like your relationship with a paper plate. It was just a throwaway relationship. Mm-hmm. So it speaks badly of you that yeah. that's how little connection you had. If you compare how you feel with about a paper plate with how you might feel toward a piece of family china that's that's an uh, heirloom that's been handed yeah. and been with the family for years, you uh, have a bond with that. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to look at it, and it's uh, people deserve to have a good break. If we're going to end it, the one thing you could leave them with is some closure. <laughs> Some talk, some right. time to actually shut some doors and have some understanding. 
Exactly. When breakups are A, in person, and B, mutual in the sense that you've both had a chance to speak out about it, then the breakup uh, gets healed. Mm -hmm. So the breakup, if there's been a real attachment, is like losing a limb. It's losing a part of what's become your world. So that uh, injured area, the area where the loss was, heals over much more quickly depending on how the process was done. Coming together face-to-face, a hug, thank you so much for the good times we've had together, and something in me says, I really want to move on. That's a whole different ballgame. That really is, and it kind of goes back to what you said earlier about... um maybe the the type of or level of social intelligence that people that really thrive on some of this technology might have might right. be diminished, which means their breakups are also diminished. Right. And there's a vicious cycle that happens. If people who are drawn to overuse of the technology are people who are not so good at social skills to begin with, right. then if all they're doing is technology, they're, they're not developing their social skills, so it gets worse and worse. Yeah. They get further and further behind. It's like if not very athletic people are therefore not doing sports while their friends are out there doing sports, their friends are, are getting ahead. not only because of natural talent, also because of practice, practice. Yeah. What would you, as we, as we kind of wrap this up, what, what would you say, Dr. Heitler, is the key that we should be focusing on? Maybe just as parents, what should we be trying to do with our children, and how should we, how should we kind of prepare them to be able to deal with a world that's technologically driven, and yet also be able to maintain really high level of social skills? So I think one step uh, is to for parents to talk with their children about the very kinds of issues we've discussed today, opening up cell phones as a topic of discussion encourages kids to become aware of what's working, what's not working, and to do their own learning in an ongoing way. So I hope you've had that impact today on your listeners, and I hope other listeners, not only with their children, also with their friends, will discuss what's a cell phone good for, what's email good for, and what are the ways their messages can be more likely to be positive, not negative in their impact. And the third question is, how can we increase our face-to-face, smile-to-smile time with the people we love and who are meaningful to us? No, no, that's huge. See, I mean, that's it. In the end, and by the way, that's probably the best way to teach your kids about technology is eye-to-eye, face-to-face, smile-to-smile, skin-to-skin. Right, and the more you have that kind of interaction with your children, the more they'll grow up feeling comfortable doing that with people and won't have to hide. Mm. The more you have conversations that are collaborative on difficult subjects, the more they will be prepared to talk about tough, sensitive subjects with people they're close to as adults. That's the goal. Dr. Susan Heitler, thank you so much for your insight. My pleasure. Delight to talk with you. Delight to talk to you. And again, you can find out more from Dr. Susan Heitler on her website, powerof2marriage.com. 
powerof2marriage.com. Also, go check out her book, From Conflict to Resolution, The Power of Two. This is The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to The Matt Townsend Show. We have been talking about technology and relationships, the importance of, uh, I mean, relationships, essential, right? Technology now, essential. How are we going to do it without both in this crazy uh, day and age? Now, as we were throwing things around, uh, our very own Ben Wagner has a, I guess, a, a dating or an internet. You, you haven't heard this story I yet. I haven't no, heard it. No, everyone else, yesterday after you had left, I told... Uh, the rest of the crew hear this story, and I felt like it needs to be shared. Mostly because yeah. I need to ask you whether or not I'm like a sociopath. Well, so I bet I, you are. So instead of the internet asks, Matt yeah. answers. We can call ben this asks. Ben asks. B- Matt. B- a- Matt, M- Matt shakes his head. Bama. So lo- to make this is a real kind of a long story. To I make it, it short, I got set up on a blind date, or I'm, I'm trying to be set up on a set blind up date from friends. No, from someone that is from my long time ago in the past. That's a whole other story okay. that I don't really know particularly well. Has trying to set me up with a friend of theirs. <laughs> okay, so they she, obviously like you. I uh, suppose. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, I got a phone number and a first name. Okay. And naturally, my next step was to spend two hours on the internet trying to find everything <laughs> out I could way. about this person. Right. Okay. Which required an extreme amount of effort. Sure. Of course. Like effort. Or just a Google search. No. Or you went no, in depth. Trust me. This person has almost zero online presence. It took me two hours to find her on the internet. Wow. That's how, but that's how invested. I know. You were curious, though. Earlier when you said that, you know, or when we were talking in the first segment about how the internet helps you find information right. better, that's me. So it took me like two hours to find this person. Man. And the only thing, only information I found about this person was her blog. Okay. That she had posted on maybe if, uh, you know eight or nine times. So you'd like read, you could year. read the whole blog. And I did. <laughs> and so did most of the people in the producer's booth right now. Oh, really? So, <laughs> all I, so from reading the blog, I don't want to go into too much detail about the blog other than to say that there's just no way. There's no way you want to date this girl. There's no way. Yeah, she's physically attractive enough. Yeah. It's not like that. No. You know, I, I do find her attractive. But in you that read sense. the stories. But I read the things that she posted or wrote, if you can call what that is, writing on her blog. Yeah, coming from an English master's student. Look, I don't need someone to have a strong <laughs> authorial voice no. in their writing, but yeah. at least a coherent right. okay. sentence. Yeah. Right. At least, you know, somewhat proper grammar. Right. That's important. Unless she was typing the whole blog on her iPhone and it was autocorrecting at the wrong po- time, oh, which is possible. It's totally possible. Totally possible. But there's just, there's just no way. Like, I'm sure she's going to make someone yeah. a fantastic girlfriend. She, you're a wonderful girl. It's wife. not you. It's me. It's There's just no way. Right. Okay. And so and you my, knew this before you ever went out with her. Well, I haven't gone out with her. Here's my question. Am I totally justified in never calling her? Because I know there's no way that this is going to work. What if the blog was a creative writing blog? And she was just trying, she was making up stories. No, it wasn't. What if it was all a ruse and she was trying to just trap you in this embarrassing thing? It's a Manti Teo situation? It's a Manti Teo. I, I, I actually bet, I, I, that's... <laughs> Does that cross actually, your mind? That has actually crossed my mind because it is a, a little outside the realm of, yeah. of normal that a pers- this person is actually setting me up. 
Is there only one piece of data that really throws you, or is there like the compilation? There's an entire blog's worth of data that throws me. And my question is, I I feel like it is a waste of time, both my time and and her time and money, to go on a date with someone who I already know there's no way. My question is, am I a sociopath, one, for spending that much time on the internet trying to find out information about someone? Yes, you are. Two... I feel kind of bad for having totally prejudged this person, right. but not so bad that I'm like, oh, I'll overlook this. Or that you're going to throw $30, down, $30 down on dinner. Exactly. Now, there's a variety of opinions about this. Rob thinks. What does Rob think? Rob, Rob thinks, thinks that, I should, try. that I should just do a, it anyway. An old gentleman's try. If nothing else, it's a good story. <laughs> if nothing else, it'd be a great blog entry. Everyone else... Uh, now, Bryce and Merritt read, saw the blog and read the blog and found it to be as frightening as I did. Really? Rob, you got something to say about this? I stand by my advice right up to the moment that I read the blog. But it's true. It, you, you have to play the game. Well, you, fill you me in to... on the blog. I really want to know just a little bit of information on the you blog. You know what, though? Forget the blog. If, if, it, if it were the other way around and I'd been set up with this girl... <clears throat> I w- what, what's the harm? You go out once. I, that's what I'm I, saying. I want to go out to eat anyway. It, it, it just feels, costs twice as much. It feels disingenuous no, on it some level. Aren't you just to curious? Me. But I guess you're not you're proposing going to make fun. that you're wanting to marry her. You're just like, hey, I, we got sushi. set up. It's probably not a good match, but it's an excuse to go out. We grab some dinner, and <laughs> what's the harm in that? See, Rob. Okay, now this is interesting because Rob is working hard dating right now. Mm-hmm. Like he's all over it. So. Mm-hmm. His is his philosophy is kind of, you know, throw everything on the wall and see what yeah, sticks. What's the harm? But your philosophy is is what is your goal with the date? I mean, yeah, if it's just to go have fun and hang out, you just don't even see that happening. Uh, then maybe that's not my end goal okay. though. On your a date. end goal is to close. Yeah, this if I deal. was going to do that, and I was like, hey, let's hang out, and you can pay for your dinner. Yeah, and I can't. I can do something that's actually not going to be what I feel like is wasting my time. Merritt, what's your take? You did you read the blog? I did read the blog. And would and you would you go out with a guy version of this? N- no. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. And this you see the thing is yeah. there is absolutely nothing wrong with this young woman. I'm sure. In fact, I'm quite positive she is very accomplished and she's lovely and yeah things. But personality wise, I just don't see it happening. Really? And so that but you don't just, know puts, until you meet her. It puts an awkward situation. And we talked about this on this the case. show before. That's interesting. How much a lot of us, like, small talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Small talk is hard. Yeah. Chit-chat. Yeah. And so, for me at least, when I meet somebody, I want to be able to, like, do the small talk thing for a little bit. And then after, like, 15 minutes or so of that, hit on some topic where you can yeah. kind of run with it and get have a great deep. discussion, really get to know a person. But when you have so little in common, I just don't see that happening. The, the problem is, too, is that whatever this person is putting on their blog is a conscious – I mean, it's a conscious effort to put out an image. Well, unless she thinks it's that, private. If it's a public – the whole internet can see it. Anything you put on the internet well, is public. I mean, you can make a blog private, and maybe she's just one switch away from having a clue. You know, she does have such a minimal online presence that that is – that's possible. Here's the thing. <laughs> Whatever she's putting on her blog is in some ways her trying to project an image to the world of what she wants the world to see her as. Okay. And that image is nowhere near what you want. Not only that, but the person who wants that world to see them that way is also not the person that I have any really interest in in being. So I've got an idea. Set up Rob with this young lady. I'm serious. 
dude, I'll let you know if it's a good match. Like, this would be great. It'd be, I think it'd be a weird phone call when you make it, but I'm happy to do it. Just say, you know what? I went through the blog. <laughs> she was I'm cute. an English she had, she had major, master student. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to the engineering <laughs> master student. And, and then let's set Rob up. And then let's have her on the show. That's, that's actually a solid idea. Don't you think that's why they pay me the big bucks, Benny? Yeah. That's why they don't pay me the big See, bucks. You, you look at it the wrong way. You look at it in a nervous, like, oh, it's a date? No. Does Rob does no, 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 it's And what you have to look yes. at is say, this is seriously how I look at it. No. What's a restaurant I, I want to go eat at, but it's a sit-down place, and it's rather yeah. lame to go sit, you know, party of one, please. And sit, you know. So, okay, it's going to cost me twice as much, but who cares? I get a chance to go sit at the restaurant. You chat with somebody. If it's a good time, you say, hey, I had a good time. Uh, call you again sometime. And if I don't, I just say, yeah. well, I had a good time. But see, I, I, don't, I don't view it that way. Uh, I view it as it's disingenuous, and I'm basically lying if I'm going on a date with well, this person. Well, that's you can't go on this date. Yeah. I'm, if I go on this date, I already know that yeah. it's not going to happen. So, so it's, it's going under false pretenses. Yeah. So I, I agree with you on that. I mean, if, especially because you already you already know that. You are already convinced of that in your heart. Yeah. So I, w- I wouldn't. I would just be very sincere. You know, I'd appreciate it. Now, I do have a guy <laughs> that has done a little research with me and is interested. And you know what? I w- that, to me, actually has some hope. To bring this full circle. Or Bryce... Let's not throw. Let's not keep Bryce out of the loop. Bryce, do you want keep, keep me out of this loop? Okay. <laughs> Bryce wants to, I, I want, want to stay as far away from that loop as possible. Well, I, I do. I really do, and I truly do believe that because because uh, Colonel Sanders does have a different dating approach, which I think is way cool. And I, I also am a big believer that we don't really know anybody till we've really gone out with them. Now I don't know how much you read, and I don't know what you read. Or heck, even if you just talk, we'll you talk even if you just talk to her on the phone yeah. for like forty-five minutes, then you could start to gauge. Look, that's forty-five minutes coming out of my phone bill. That have yeah, oh, much you have unlimited uses. minutes. I know. <laughs> so, so do this. To bring this full circle, yeah. though, this is a problem that tech you would not have without technology. You can't. It's impossible right. in two thousand and thirteen. Yeah. To go on a blind date, and Rob was saying yesterday, and I, I agree with him. I wish I hadn't looked up this person because. That would have been a, an interesting. Then date. I could have gone with a blank slate, and Rob Rob was saying that that's what he tries to do when he's if he's going on a blind Rob, date to don't have read a blank the slate. And I think that's smart. My my problem is that I can't do that, and I know not only do I, I know that I can't do that because yeah. I know that I have to go look at yeah. this person on the internet, but I also know they're doing the same thing to me. No, I would feel I, worse I like about that. it if they weren't doing the same to me right now. I, I agree, and I also think I mean just your just the issue you're having is telling you enough. I just mm-hmm. wouldn't do it, mm-hmm. but. Rob, don't you dare go look at the blog, and he's no longer listening because I think he's dialing her up right now. Um, but don't go look at the blog. To me, that's a that's a first world kind of a, a 21st century problem. Yeah, technology now is telling us we've got a lot of information on you. There are no blind dates, uh, but boy, I'm dying to hear what how this goes, and I'm excited to go read the blog right now. This is the Matt Townsend Show, folks. Thanks for joining us again. We're trying to make your life a little bit easier, giving you some tools, some insight to make it through this crazy thing we call life. Again, remember, there are some good things out in the world. Life is not all dark and dreary. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio.